powerful young men and women of God going right there. Man, thank God for them. Bless them. I was reminded as uh, we were taking up the tithe and the offering, I was at uh, the Haler family reunion yesterday. My father had 14 brothers and sisters. And so we have a quiver full in our family. And we had a family reunion. I had folks from uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, Indiana, and a few other places show up yesterday at the family reunion. And um, my niece, well, it would really actually be my cousin, and her husband, <laughs> you know, I have family I don't know, you know. And so you get together one a year, once a time, one time a year, and you get together. Is any of my family, I thought they might come. Is anybody in my family here? No? Okay. Just my daughter. Okay. That's, I'm glad you're here, sweetie. <laughs> and uh, I had, I really, it was a really exciting time yesterday. Um, my cousin, yes, it would be my cousin. You got to kind of look down the line. Her and her husband got born again on August 25th of last year. Got water baptized and now uh, they are dabbling into the things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and uh, there, it was really neat to see the change uh, as they sat and we fellowshiped over the meal and all that kind of stuff. But when we were on the way home, um, my son Joel said, "Wow, there's some darkness in our family." Has anybody got any darkness in your families? Not everybody's born again, filled with the Holy Spirit and loving on Jesus. And I said, yeah, and that's why we spent so much time with them yesterday. Uh, we finally got down around 10.30 p.m. last night. But uh, I thank God for my family. Anybody else? As you look at your heritage and you look at your family, you see all the people that need the Lord and you see all the... The, 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 the darkness that the enemy has done. And I shared with my son, I said, you know what, Joel? I said, we're very blessed. I said, your dad, I'm a first-generation Christian in my family. And I said, my mom and dad have come to know the Lord through me and my sister. And I said, so we don't have a long heritage of Christianity, of faith in Christ in the Haler household. And I said, but you know what? We're changing that heritage. And you're a second generation. And your children are going to be a third generation and a fourth generation of bringing the glory of God to the earth to manifest his presence in the earth. And I said, buddy, keep going. I said, Joel, keep going after having a heart that's passionate and aggressive for Jesus Christ because we want to change our heritage. And I see change in my Haler household. We're seeing change in our church family. Amen. God is advancing his kingdom amongst our midst. Amen. And I'm really, really excited. And right now we even bless Joel as he's sharing at open arms. Lord, bless him and anoint him and give him breakthrough in the name of Jesus as he shares his testimony. I thank you, God, that you're going to anoint him and have anointed him to declare the good news in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I thank you for my church family. And I pray today, God, as a family, um, you have knit our hearts together for a purpose and a reason. And, Father, I just pray today as we get into your word that you would anoint every word that I say. Let it impact every person the way you want it to impact. Let it bring down walls. Let it bring down barriers. And may Christ be exalted in our hearts and in our minds today, as we look into your word, would you just, God, begin to continue to change us more and more into your image? Father, that we would become a family of God who are radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of you. 
that God, we are an army who is militant, bringing down the kingdom of darkness and exalting the kingdom of light. May we be a family who love one another and God move into greater depths of love for each other. And Father, may we as a church surrender our selfish pride and the things of our flesh that want what it wants. And may you, God, be truly exalted and glorified today through the proclamation of the gospel, through the preaching of your word. Make the word of God come alive today in our hearts. Let light bulbs come off today. Let them come on to illuminate places in our hearts that you're wanting to deal with. So, Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. You know, today, uh, several weeks ago, I began a series on the cost of discipleship. And I'm going to try to just quickly... um, Quickly just recap, because it's been a couple weeks. Spirit of God has done some different things here in our service. Been one time I didn't even get a share in the Word because the Spirit of God moved in a powerful way. And, but I really feel a, a real anointing on this Word today. And I really believe God's going to speak something to our hearts. But I want to recap just briefly, kind of real fast, uh, because I don't want to spend a lot of time on what I've already spoken about, but I do also want to give us a foundation of where we're going when we talk about the cost of discipleship and where we've been. And uh, kind of today's message is, uh, the last time I shared, it was kind of a message of moving from believing to following. And today I want to go into, we've got to move from following to, to, to loving and pleasing God. And so I'm trying to take us somewhere. I'm trying to build a foundation on where God's trying to take us as a church because God is raising up a radical church. He is doing something in our midst. There is a groundswell, there's a wave, whatever you want to metaphorically say today. But we have got to get on board and and be about our Father's business, amen? Amen. And so part of that being about our Father's business is this work that he's doing in each of us individually because each of us are in a different place. Each of us are in a different phase of our maturity, in a different phase of our discipleship. And, and uh, I, I talked about how the church has to become something. That this, uh, this cost of discipleship, there's a cost to it, but there's a purpose in it. We have got to become something for the Lord. Amen. We as individuals have to become something for the Lord. And, and I, 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 I created the need, I talked about the need of how 80% of Americans call themselves Christians. <laughs> Crazy that 80% of the people in America call themselves Christians because they don't act like a Christian, they don't look like a Christian, they don't smell like a Christian, they don't love like a Christian, they don't anything like a Christian. You know, And I even challenged this on the term Christian and how Christian, it's only used three times in the New Testament, but disciple is used 267 times. And that there's a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple of the Lord. And that we are wanting to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And so this process of obeying God, this process of following God is a process. It's not an event. I've been in this process for a long time. My children remind me, man, you're half a century old, Dad. Yeah. And most of my life I've been serving Christ. Of 50 years, I started when I was 12. And that process has been working its way out in my life. 
And you've seen mistakes, and I've made mistakes, you've made mistakes, but it's a process. It's not an event. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. But you've got to move the football down the field. That's the beauty of our God. He loves you enough to accept you where you're at, but he loves you enough not to leave you where you're at. Yeah, <laughs> preach that. He loves you enough to accept you right where you're at, but he loves you enough to not leave you there. And he wants to enlarge our capacity. He wants to enlarge our faith. He wants to take us and move us down the field. If I had a football here, I'd use it as an object lesson. Yes, sometimes we get a first down. Sometimes we get two yards. Sometimes we get inches. And sometimes we get sacked and lose 15 yards. I know some run right now, they're, they're sacked. And they're, they're not in the game right now. Breaks my heart. But I say, oh, you are righteous seed. Oh, you are a lover of God. You're a disciple. Get up. Get up and get back in the game. You have a ball to carry. You have a part to play in the kingdom of heaven. Get back in the game. And so we're all at different places. And I even talked about a couple weeks ago how the stages of discipleship. And we'll just look at that a little bit. And I showed it to you last time. And there's stages of discipleship where there we are, this place where we're spiritually dead. And we've got to move into infancy where we accept Christ. We, we give him our heart and we say yes, yes to the Lord. And we move from infancy to child and from child to adolescence. And hopefully our goal is to move into an adult where we reproduce. Anybody want to be a pre-producer? Absolutely. That's our goal is to become reproducers, to be disciples who disciple others. Can I have an amen on that? And so we talked about this process, and I even gave you an online test that you could do, and I know several of you emailed me your results, and wow, I'm an infant in this area of my life. I'm a child here. I'm an adolescent here, and hey, I'm starting to move into adulthood. Woohoo! Kind of gave you an idea of where you're at in the process because we are in a stage of discipleship and we want to move through those stages, right? And so I even gave you that online test, but today what I want to do, and I want to move because I, 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 it's easy to diagnose problems. It's easy to diagnose and say the church is really immature. The church doesn't love well. The church doesn't do this well. We have need in this area. We have need in this area. It, needs and problems are, every one of you have something in your mind say, well, I wish New Covenant would do this. Every one of us have it. You can identify problems in this church and every church in the world. They have issues. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And a matter of fact, church can be perfect until I get there and until you get there. And until you get there, because we are a conglomerate of God's people maturing and developing into lovers of God that represent him well, right? And so we've got to move this ball down to the floor. And so I got in a rabbit trail, and I lost my train of thought, and so now i got to bring it back. I was going to make a good point there, but at any rate, let's rewind that. I have no clue. There was something I was going to do. If the Lord, you want to bring it back, bring it back. So I'm going to get back on this, this. So we're in this process and the stages of development. And today what I want to do is that as I talk about moving the body of Christ, you know, one of the things I talked about a couple weeks ago was there, heaven's not going to be as populated as we think. 
Heaven is not going to be as populated as you think. Matter of fact, in Matthew 7, it actually says that broad is the path that leads to destruction. And a whole bunch of people are on it, and it's an easy path. And it says narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few be there that find it. And it's a narrow path, and it even says it's a hard path. Because it's a path, what we call the cost of discipleship, it's a path of dying to self. It's a path of surrendering our, 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 our lordship of our life, our, our right to rule our own life, and it's surrendering that rulership to God. And that is the process of discipleship. And if you were even to take this thing and look at a, what a, a baby does and a child does and an adolescent does, it, you go from the most selfish person that you are where you eat, pee, and poop. And you, you're fed and you're given everything you want and everything that you need and everything is at your disposal. And then you move into a child and all of a sudden mom and dad expect you to make your bed. Mom and dad expect you to do certain things and you can begin to become responsible for other things. And you begin to learn that, wow, I'm not just a consumer. And then you move from childhood and you go into adolescence. It's like, oh, wow, I got to start paying for my own gas. I got to start doing this. And, and I start to become responsible for things in teenage. But selfishness constantly is, is, is getting, it's supposed to be getting lower and lower and lower until we get to adulthood where it's not about us, but it's about others. It's about raising children. It's about doing something for someone else. And the body of Christ, I can identify the problems really easy, but the solutions are a whole other thing. How do we get us to being adults? How do we get this process? So today, what I want to do is I want to go into a scripture. To be honest with you, this scripture has bothered me for many years. I have meditated on it for years. I have brought this scripture up over and over. And this passage, in a lot of ways, I wouldn't say it's perplexed me, but it's made me go, hmm. Everybody go, hmm. It's red-lettered, so it's from Jesus' mouth. How many believe he's a pretty good source? You think Jesus is a pretty good source? Okay. But I want to use this scripture to draw some important points for us today as we're becoming disciples, as we're moving from believing in Christ to following Christ. I want to now begin to shift us from not only following Christ but becoming these lovers who are desiring to be about their father's business. Does anybody want to be that, want to become that, right? And so I believe the scripture is going to help us. My goal is not to get you to question your salvation today. That is not my goal. I don't want to get you to question your salvation. But what I do want to do is I want to take us someplace today where we question our motives, where we assess why we do what we do, And I want to begin to attack a thinking in the body of Christ and in our culture. And I want to begin to take an ax to the root of that thinking. And so I want to use this passage that has perplexed me for many years. And I want to begin to unpack it and see what the Spirit of God is actually wanting to say to us. So that we can assess ourselves on where we are really at in our discipleship process as a person and as a church. And so my question to you today is, are you willing to go there? Yes. All right. So we're going to go to Matthew today. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can pop them out. 
We're going to go to Matthew today. And I'm going to set the context for the passage here before we go into, into reading the scripture. I want to give you a little history of what is going on. Jesus is on the scene, so I told you earlier that Jesus is speaking here in this passage. People are starting to follow him like crazy. He's now drawn a large crowd to himself, and he goes up to a mountain. This is called the Sermon of the Mount is where we're going, okay? And so Jesus starts talking. He starts teaching about the things of the kingdom. He starts to talk about, these are the things you need to do if you want to follow me. And so he's setting the stage, and it starts in Matthew 5, and we're going to get towards the end of Jesus' message, and we're going to go to Matthew 7 today, and we're going to get to the end of his message. So Jesus has been preaching for a couple hours. People are not bored. People are not in their own agenda. He's drawn this large crowd. They're up on this mountain. So the, the sound dynamics, if you can imagine, he's up a little higher and they're hearing his voice. And there's a multitude probably sitting on stones and blankets or sheep skins or whatever they did, you know, I don't know. And so they're listening to Jesus preach this message. And it's been a long message, and he goes after one. And if you ever want to just enjoy the preaching of the Lord, just go to Matthew 5 and start reading 5 through 8. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's powerful. And he goes through all the issues of life, all the areas of, hey, this is this. And he gives parables, and he talks about all these great things about what we need to be doing as we follow Christ. And so that's the stage. We're at the hill now, and now we're getting ready to listen to what Jesus has to say on the matter and he says this perplexing thing, and I'll go to the scripture so you can see it. You need to go to Matthew 7, verses 21 is where we're going to start. And we're going to look at the tail end of his message. So you guys ready for this? This is the end of Jesus' message. He's been preaching for a couple hours. And he says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Does that bother anybody? Yeah, yeah it should. It's bothered me for years. I'm going to go to the next passage, 24. And so then he, then he gives this metaphor, he gives this example. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, I've been preaching for two hours on the mountainside, and he's saying, if you hear these words of mine, and whoever puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. Everybody say the rock. So my question to you today, is it really possible to prophesy and not go to heaven? Is it really possible to drive out demons, heal the sick, and do miracles, and not make it into the kingdom? According to Jesus, this is red letter. I'm telling you, Jesus spoke in red letters. Is it really possible to do these kind of things and not enter the kingdom of heaven? Now, 
I can't remember, it was me, Tom, Lynn, and somebody else, I can't remember, we were talking, and we were talking about signs and wonders, and that how signs and wonders confirm the preaching of the word, and how they confirm a message. And I was like, well, one of the ways that we can tell a true person is if there are signs and wonders that follow them. Isn't that scriptural? But it's not always the case. And so then I began to think, okay, God, as I'm preaching this message, I'm going to go somewhere here. But I thought, okay, what are some other examples in the Word of God that prove this point that you can prophesy and not go to heaven? You can do signs and wonder. You can do all these things. Because to me, that eliminates a whole lot of people. <laughs> right? Now, again, remember I said, I'm not trying to get you to question your salvation. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get to your motives, and I'm going to get to our heart. Because our heart deceives us sometimes. So then I thought about Saul. And Saul was the king over Israel. And he was vexed by a demon, the Bible says. He was possessed of a demon. He had, he had turned away from God. He was a godly king at one time over Israel. And he started turning from God. And he got a mess. And David would play his harp. The demon would come out. And he would get relief. You guys remember the story? But then there was this time where he got among the prophets and Saul began to prophesy. Is Saul among the prophets of Israel? They said. And so there's an example. Saul was far from God, but yet he prophesied. I can take you to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I should speak in tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am, a, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, that's not saying you're not going to the kingdom of heaven, but it's talking about that there can be people that have great revelations. They have, oh, for the Lord would say, and there's all these demonstrations of God, but if it's not motivated by love, it is nothing. You get nothing out of it. There is no reward in heaven. There is nothing there. Then I thought of this other passage in Philippians 1, 15 through 18. And Paul was imprisoned, and there were people preaching the gospel, and they were preaching the gospel in wrong ways. And this is the passage. It says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter, the latter, the latter, <laughs> the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what, I love what he says, but what does it matter? <laughs> Who gives a rip? The important thing is that in every way, whether for, from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So these guys were preaching with wrong motives. The gospel was being preached. Here's what I do know about God. Is he, whether the, pre, the gospel is being preached with good motives or bad motives, he still honors his word. Can I have an amen on that? Right. So hear me for just a second. 
You can hold truth in unrighteousness. You can be a bearer of truth and you can do it in unrighteousness. Here's where I'm going with this. While you preach or prophesy or do miracles, you can do all these things out of your own will. Out of your own selfish ambition rather than out of the will of our Heavenly Father. God will honor his word and the gifts that you have and he will honor his own love that he has for people who are receiving truth. But we can do things, right things, for wrong reasons. I've done it. But here's what I want to say, and here's where I'm going. This is going to end well. But what an awful consideration to think that a man or a woman who has gifts and who are God's people and they have talents and they point others to Jesus Christ without walking in that truth themselves. And that's really where the body of Christ is at in a large way. We know the truths of God. We talk about the truths of God. We declare the truths of God, but we don't walk in them. That's called walking in unrighteousness. You can have the truth and walk in unrighteousness. And I want to show you today the right way of love. I hope I get an amen on that. I'm praying today that God would expose our selfish ambition, our things that we do things out of what we want rather than what God wants. I want to be his disciple that follows him and learns something today. Do you? And you must learn the way of love and not selfish ambition. We have to move from believing in Christ to following Christ. We have to move from following Christ to loving him and seeking to understand his ways. So, may I show you a more excellent way. So I want to point something out with this scripture. Easy to diagnose the problem, right? But it's not as easy to find the solution in God. Now, I want to point out something here, and I want to go somewhere with this. Matthew 7, 21 said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But say with me the underline. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I'm going to read the other one as well, and then we're going to go back to this. Therefore, sing it with, say it with me, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay. Now the word here, as you get into the Greek, but the only, but only he who does, that word does, is this continual, this thing who stay, someone who stays steadfast in, okay? Only he who does the will of my father. That word here means to abide and to continue under something. But where I want to zero in today, and here's where I think we fall short, and I believe this is the secret 
This is the secret to discovering where we need to go and in our discipleship and growing in God. Because here's, here is what the, you know, the, the word of God says in Romans. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need to be renewed today. There is a truth the Lord wants to bring us today. And I believe if you'll get this revelation, if you'll allow the Spirit of God to speak to you as we go over what does it mean to know or to do the will of God. Because here's what I'm convinced, and here's what I'm convinced I've done most of my, my Christian life. I've done the will of Eric. I've I filtered the will of God through my own desires. I've interpreted the word of God through my own desires rather than through the desires of my father. Now here's where I want to go. Whoopsie daisy. Oh, did I shut it off? On? There we go. I want to break this down into does the will of my father. He who is going to be a disciple, he who is going to be a follower of the Lord, one has to move into discovering the will of the father. Does anybody want to discover the will of God? Yes. And that word will literally in the, in the Greek means desire, pleasure, will. I've got to discover the desire of my father. I've got to dis discover the pleasure of my father. And I have spent a lot of time in my life discovering my own pleasures. Anybody else? Well, here, let me read it this way. A disciple, what it means for God's desire is this. God's desire, this is something that brings God great satisfaction. His wants. This is to bring God what he wishes and longs for, what he craves. Have you discovered what God craves? The other word there for pleasure Pleasure is this. This is what makes God feel pleased. What gives him great enjoyment and delight. Have you found out what makes God happy? What brings him enjoyment? See, we in our culture are so addicted to pleasure, we go from one thing to the next thing getting pleasure. This morning, I got a Father's Day card, and the delight in the card was, was not a gift, but were the words that came out of my children's mouth. They were a delight to me. When I went and looked for a Father's Day gift for my dad, I went looking for what pleasured my dad. I talked to my mom, what's dad wanting? What's he, what's up? Because he's back out of everything. He got, he got retired. It's like, man, you, if you need it, you go get it. In our culture, you don't want for nothing. When I was growing up, I can remember, I remember coming home, and I know I've told you this story. I can remember coming home, I'd been to college, so it was the summer, and you get home a little later after you've been to college. And I can remember coming in, and I remember stubbing my toe and hitting the, hitting the chair. And, oh, oh, oh. But you know what? I didn't want my mom and dad thinking I was drunk. I was not a drinker, but... Somebody else in my family had been. And, but there was this desire to please my natural dad and mom.
I still have it in me. I thank God it's there. I love to please my natural dad and mom. Anybody else? Some people never get it. Some people try so hard to please mom and dad. They'll do, they'll perform, they'll do all the gymnastics. But I promise you, our Heavenly Father's not that way. It's really easy to please him, but are you, dirt, are you learning how to bring pleasure to his heart? Because the word pleasure means you're looking for a way to please him. His wish, his desire. See, disciples figure out what pleasures Papa's heart. What brings him satisfaction? What is it that he wishes and longs for? What gives him great enjoyment and delight? Do you know? I think most people have no clue. Because I think we haven't moved from just believing in Christ to following. We haven't moved down the food chain, if you want to say, in our adolescence to adulthood and, and moving down that chain, we're still about satisfying our own pleasures. My own ministry, my own this, my own that. Why are there fights and quarrels among you? The Bible says, is it not because you don't get what you want? Because you ask with wrong motives. Because you ask so that you can spend what you get on what you want. Well, true Christian maturity, true discipleship, we've got to move from, from believing in God to following him. We've got to move from following God to pleasing God. Disciples please God. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Our focus has been about ourselves, our wants, our ministries, as I said, and then we filter everything through what I want rather than his pleasure. So when I go down this thing, I tell you, we have got to have a, we have have got to have a coming to Jesus moment. We've got to have a coming to Jesus moment because we've got to have our lives assessed today to saying, am I really about my father's business? Am I really about pleasing him or have I come to church to get my thing? Have I come to church to get my thing? I got to get my worship on. Are you with me? Am I stepping on your toes? I'm trying to get us somewhere. Now, I'm encouraged because I do see in the body of Christ here at New Covenant, I see that we are moving. We really are moving to becoming people who are about the Father's business. I believe this thing of pleasing God has already started but it has to be complete. There has got to be something in your heart where you say, God, I am sorry. Lord, I repent for being so selfish. I've been like a child. I've been like an adolescent. I've been so consumed with my kingdom that I have not been concerned with your kingdom. There's this thing of confession and repentance where we, oh my gosh, my eyes are open. Wow, I have been about me. 
I've seen it for years, over the years, men and women who desire to be in the ministry. But really the ministry is all about getting an identity. It's really about them feeling good about themselves and it's really not about pleasing the Lord. It's really about fulfilling something inside of them because they feel so inadequate. They feel like a failure inside. And if, if, if I can become in ministry, then I can become something. But they already are something. And so that's what I'm talking about. You can be in truth in unrighteousness. You can be doing things for the wrong reason. You can, it's like yesterday. I wanted to go home so bad because I was so tired. And I wanted to leave the family reunion. And me and Joel were there by ourselves because everybody else had left. And I was like, Joel, man, there's something yet to be done here. Do you believe? Oh, yeah, I do. We're here for a reason. And man, I killed my flesh. I said, no. The Father's business is at this family reunion. There is somebody that we're still supposed to be ministering to and reaching to. And so I didn't get home until 1030. And buddy, my flesh wanted to say, let's get out of here. Anybody with me? But the Lord said, love. But I'm tired. Love. Tired. Love. Tired. Love. Tired. Love. And, and I had to do something. I had to get my heart right. So we leave the family reunion. Then I go to my mom and dad's house to play euchre with a 20-year-old who desperately needs Jesus. Who's full of depression and darkness. He's my cousin. My cousin needs Jesus. So I taught him euchre, taught him this, loved on him. Can't wait to come back from, to, from Oklahoma. Because Jesus said, love what I love. Love what I love. Well, Lord, I love my sleep. I'm tired. <laughs> Haven't you checked how I've given myself all day to these people? I've already sacrificed enough. I've already paid enough. And he said, well, Eric, they drove all the way from Oklahoma just to experience God. They spent their money and spent the night in a hotel. They spent some costs too. Will I find a man who loves what I love? Will I find a woman who loves what I love? Who will find the pleasure out of Father God's heart and will sacrifice time, sleep, whatever it takes to discover the pleasure of my God. And I still don't see them and their hearts the way he sees it. I was just doing what was right in the moment, as much as my flesh didn't want it. My motives were being checked. I was being matured in my love because there was a pleasure in Gotti's heart. Daddy wanted something. And if we're going to be true disciples of the Lord, if we're going to be an army, it advances. If we're going to talk the talk, we've got to start walking the walk. Yeah. 
We've got to start doing difficult things. When our flesh wants to go to bed, he may say, you need to dwell on Psalms 91 tonight because somebody tomorrow's going to need it. But here's what I find in the body of Christ. We're so busy with stuff. If you ask people, how you doing? Tired. We're out. Tired. Their cup's not overflowing. They don't have much to give. And the reason they don't have much to give is they haven't found out the pleasure of daddy's heart. Because in the pleasure of God, he renews my strength. He mounts me up like eagle's wings. I shall run and not grow weary. I shall, I shall run. I don't know if you faint. I'm messing it up like crazy right now. You know what I'm talking about? He who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty. He who dwells there has something to give. I can tell you, I've been depleted, and there's times where I've not been able to give anything to you because I've allowed the, the tank to get low. Anybody else allowed your tank to get low? And we got to get back to what does please the Father's heart. And I'm encouraged. I really am encouraged. Because here's what I noticed two or three weeks ago when we had worship. The place, we almost stood still in eternity right here. As this church started to give Jesus what he deserves. And we started touching into the desire and the pleasure of the Lord. And as we exalted Jesus, it exalted the Father. And as the Father was exalted, he exalted Jesus. And as Jesus was exalted, the Holy Spirit was exalted. And there was this hush. There was this thing where it was no longer me getting my fix. I'm going to offend you right now, but sometimes our worship, and I, how many children are in here? I'm going to offend you. You ready for offense? Sometimes our worship is spiritual masturbation. It's all about you getting your fix. It's all about you getting your pleasure rather than him getting the pleasure that he deserves. All of a sudden, our worship becomes about me satisfied. Well, I can't help in children's worship. I'll miss worship. It's all about me getting my worship on. It's all about us sometimes. It's all about us getting our pleasure rather than the pleasure of the Father's heart. Do you hear me? Yeah, somebody will go, okay, talk about masturbation. But sometimes our worship is about demonstrating something for us rather than for him. And God's called us to change even our worship right now. He's trying to get us to change our worship from being self-satisfying, selfish ambition to it being about him. And what is he saying? What is he doing? What is pleasing his heart? Am I making any sense? So how does it apply to your life today? I seen Mike and Joel go to Kalamukia and they came back with the Father's heart for Kalamook. They cried for days because they started to get the desire and the pleasure of God for those people. Now we can go back to business as usual. 
go back to our life as usual? Or we can discover the pleasure of the Lord's heart when it comes to the Kalimuki people. We can throw money at it. Or we can throw ourselves at it. But I promise you, you will not do anything for God that's great without first discovering his heart and pleasure of it. Otherwise, you'll do it out of duty. You'll be just like me at the family reunion, doing it out of duty. I know this is right. Grit my teeth and bear it. And I'll get no joy from it. Or you can hear the heart of the Father. I have something for these people. My heart, my love for them. And you can do it for the right motivation. There are people prophesying for the wrong motivation. There are people doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And he will say, flee from me for I don't know who you are because it's about you and not about me. That's why some will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it has been about their kingdom come. Their will be done. Me, myself, and I. The unholy trinity. Rather than what pleasures the heart of our Father. I tell you what, if we're going to move, church, it's going to cause we get the heart of the Father. If we're going to move and do the right things, I'm telling you, don't do the right things out of religion. Do the right things out of a heart. Do the right things because God is giving you his heart. We've got to become a church that seek after the heart, the will of the Father. This is good preaching. Because it's about love. Otherwise, I become a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. For the law would say, ha ha, matey. You got this wrong with you, this wrong with you, and this wrong with you. But when I get the heart of the Father, I find, wow, Jesus really loves you. He's not here to condemn and correct you. He's here to edify, build up, and comfort you. He's actually really wild about you. He doesn't actually see all the things you're doing wrong, Alex. He actually sees everything you're doing right. It's easy. The flesh sees everything that's wrong. Get away from it. We're critical of each other. We're critical of everything. <laughs> Even demons see that. But what demons can't see is the prophetic potential in you and what God has called you to. He sees the heart of God. That's what God sees. And we've got to start seeing things through the eyes of God. And all of a sudden, I start to see people for who they really are because I start seeing him through the will. He who does the will of my Father, that's who gets to get him the kingdom of heaven and continues to do so. The person that seeks the pleasure of God. Oh, that'll preach. So what's it going to take? If with you, if you will, stand up with me. I'm going to wind this thing down. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do his job. Close your eyes with me and let the Holy Ghost work on you. I've been encouraged. I've seen God doing some really neat things in people's hearts over the last several months. I've seen that we're starting to tap into what pleases God.
Because I'm telling you, those who are radical lovers, they serve selflessly. They lay their lives down just as he laid his life down for us. Now, my guess is the Holy Ghost has been dealing with all of us right now about the motivations of our heart, the things that drive us. And I'm sure you've been convicted with me that you've done some things out of selfish ambition and trying to make yourself feel important or trying to make yourself feel good about yourself. Or I'm telling you, that kind of stuff will not help you get to the kingdom. And I realize that we're not perfect and we're in a process. But I see that God's trying to take this church from being children and adolescents to being adults. He's trying to bring correction to our hearts through love, through motivation, through really seeing things through God's eyes. And so today I'm just asking you, what is the Spirit of God wanting to do in your heart this morning? Is love what motivates your heart to be a disciple and follower of Christ? Or is it selfish ambition and what you can get from God, or what he can do for you? If you don't mind, guys, put a little music on. Let's allow the Spirit of God to deal with our hearts. He's trying to move us from believing in Christ to following Christ. He's trying to move us from following Christ to pleasing him, discovering what pleases his heart, what motivates him. Maybe some of you today need to repent and just confess your selfishness and your greed. And maybe your motivations haven't been good like mine. There's been areas of my life the Lord's correcting. I'm choosing to move the ball down the field. Anybody going to go with me? Maybe you're just doing things, this discipleship or this moving in God. Maybe you're just doing it out of duty and your heart's really disconnected. Well, the Bible calls that religion, not a relationship. Can I ask you what motivates you? How committed are you to Christ? Are you willing to move to pleasing your heavenly father? Pleasing daddy, kind of like I do my natural dad? Are you willing to discover and start to look, Lord, what is it that really pleases your heart? kind of a heavy message, isn't it? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would deal with all of our hearts right now. Lord, I just pray right now that you would teach us and show us the desires of your heart. We've been so busy with the desires of ours and the kingdom of ours and building our own personal wealth, taking care of our own personal bills, taking care of our own personal stuff, that we've lost sight of what really pleases yours. Would you forgive us? Just ask him to forgive you.
Just talk to him. Go ahead. Just take some time to tell him what's in your heart. Make it personal with you and God. Tell him whatever's convicting you, whatever God's doing, just talk to him. Lord, we're sorry. Lord, we confess we've, we've made it about us. But Lord, we're moving. Yes, we are. We are moving, God. As a people, we're unifying. And we're moving, God. We're not satisfied with just believing. We're not satisfied, Lord, just with following. But we are really interested in pleasing you. And so, Lord, we're going to move this ball down the field, and we're going to get some first downs with you, God. I pray, God, that this week you would begin to convict us. Where we're in tight jams, when we're in tough situations, Father, help us to slow our life down and to look at what pleases your heart in that situation. I had a really neat situation the other day. Had a family member. They're born again. They're Christians. And they're their, their finances were a mess. They weren't tithing. They weren't giving to God. They weren't doing things God's way in the area of their finances. Medical bills, all kinds of stuff were hitting them. And for them, what pleased God, for them right then, was to see God's heart when it comes to giving God what belongs to him. And what blesses the Lord's heart, his will for them right then, was that the first fruits belong to God. And I went through them with them, the whole 10 apple thing and how that first apple belongs to God. And when you don't give that first apple to God, it, it invokes the enemy against your other apples. And the enemy devours the other apples because you weren't willing to give what belongs to God to God first. crazy thing happened real quickly he got a two dollar an hour raise he started tithing he immediately got a two dollar an hour raise with his job immediately when they said I'm going to do what pleases my father's heart whether it costs me anything I'm willing to sacrifice and I'm willing to be an aggressive lover of God I'm willing to give it away and they found out in their situation what was pleasing God. And you guys have many situations like that. There's areas of your life that are a mess. And the Lord is asking you, will you find my heart on that situation? And will you do my will on the situation? Will you find what pleases me? And when we're about what pleases him, not because of what we can get, not because it's going to make me better or my life better, but because it pleases his heart. When I do it out of a motivation of pleasing him, and I find what pleases him, it's called seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that other stuff will just be added to you. It just comes. But God's trying to correct our hearts in a great way. 
He's trying to affect the affections of our heart. And I just want to dismiss us today. I want to open the altars. Maybe you need to do business with the Lord and you just need some time alone with the Lord. I'm going to call the altar ministry team up. Maybe you need some prayer. Maybe you've been having some strongholds and some things that are in your way and you're having a hard time getting God's perspective. The altar team will help you with that. So if you would, altar team, would you come up? We're going to turn up the music. We're going to dismiss the crowd. Here's what I ask you to do is to take your conversation out into the foyer. Visit there. But if the Lord's doing business with you, I felt the Spirit of God on this. I feel like God's trying to change the way you're thinking and getting the pleasure of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you. I know it's Father's Day. I got you out of here right close to noon. But do business with the Lord. Don't leave like you came. So, Father, I thank you for this. I pray, Lord, right now that you would deal with our hearts and that, Lord God, you would help us to discover what pleases you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. We love you. Have a great, great week in Jesus' name.